Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-hosts, the pet experts themselves. To my left, Mr. Rick Pruce from Pruce Pets. Good morning, Rick. <laughs> and from my left, uh, Dr. Schultz. <laughs> and, and I'm always on the left for some reason. I can't yeah. ever, but you guys are on my right, so that's the cool part of it. Yeah. Well, good morning, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, We've got a crazy mixed-up show for you today. We, we really do, and frankly, <laughs> it's a good one, though, because at least it's a per, it's a purposefully designed mixture that we're getting into so uh but we're going to talk about designer dogs because uh i gotta tell you it's it's something that's been going on for a lot longer than most people know the first memory i have of it i admit came from a crazy movie from the 90s uh that was called dumb and dumber and these were guys who groomed dogs and basically had the idea of let's put together a bulldog and a shih tzu I think you can understand why <laughs> we wanted to put them together. Oh, it's, but get, the, it's getting thick and deep in here. Yeah, but that would have yeah. been a bad combination. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, um, yeah. You have, you know, you have sperm. You have egg. Let's yeah. put them together. It's like a Reese's cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they're good. So some of these mixes started many, many years ago, and one of the first ones that started was called a poodle pointer. Almost spells like puddle, but. It was an idea of a, a poodle and a pointer in Europe that they used for a hunting dog. And they were different because poodles, most people don't know, but standard poodles were upland bird dogs in Europe. And so the pointers were there too. And they they get a different coat structure. They have a dog that can hold up in different weather. And they have a dog that has different trainable levels uh, of dogs. And now it's gone to... We have uh, poodle this, poodle that, and labradoodles and golden doodles, and yeah. it's interesting how it's how it's for, changed. For maybe a breed that maybe a lot of people don't gravitate to by itself, a poodle. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a, a reasonable number do. It's amazing yeah. how many breed combinations center around the poodle. Does that make sense to you yeah, as far it, as a veterinarian? Yeah, it's interesting. Is that in, in history, the standard poodle many, many years ago was a, was a higher number breed out. But the Goldens and the Labradors really took over that a lot. And now the number one dog is a short little dog called a, a, a French Bulldog. But you have this personality, and it, it, it lights up the breeds a little bit more. So standard poodles are incredibly smart dogs. How and, much of that also comes from the fact that they're not as allergic uh, yeah, to and, the and breed. Shed. And so that was yeah. a huge part of both of these. Because if you have a Labrador or a, a Golden Retriever, which we will bring up later today, is that uh, you have a lot of hair in the house. Yeah. And uh, we had a client that had a um, uh, Bedlington Terrier. That's another breed that doesn't shed much at all. They All these breeds, when you say don't shed, they will lose hair. We lose yeah. hair every day, but it grows back. It's not that they have an undercoat. But then she got a Labrador, and she came in with a dog one day, and she goes, "What's there's there's something wrong with my dog. Right, right. And there's hair all over my house. And, yeah. the dog, and I said, your, your dog's fine. Well, why doesn't it go bald? 
like like I am, uh, but it doesn't because that's what they do. They grow two coats a year, and you've yeah. got to be used to that in your house. And so our, our golden got shaved a couple times a year, and he loved it. He could get in and out of the pool, two shakes, and he's dry. Yeah. But with a big coat, that doesn't happen. But you've got to, be, you've got to see that. And so this is where the people go like, okay, what if I could have that breed, that intelligence, that stuff that doesn't shed in my house yeah. that my kids aren't allergic to. So and you, you do have a from. choice. You can leave it in your house or at the grooming table. That's true. There you go. <laughs> well, to talk about the subject, we've got Maureen Wicker, who is the owner of the Doodle Ranch, located in East Lansing, coming on the show to talk with us about her experience. And she's been doing this for a couple of decades. So it's, it's a very good experienced mind that we're going to be speaking with. Then for our last segment, Doc, we're going to bounce some of our points off of you because the fact is you've probably been involved in birthing a lot of these combinations. I'm not going to call you Dr. Frankenstein because I don't think it was you piecing them together. But at the end of the day, you've had a lot of experience. And I'd imagine, again, it's a growing pool of of the work that's yeah, being done. Gradually over the last 10, 15 years, we've seen a, a huge change in the breeds that come in the clinic. And, and, the, and the personalities in these breeds. So some of these breeds you get with a mixed breed, you get really good personalities out of them, and you can have aggressive dogs too. So part of these are, just like any dog, you need to train this dog when you get this dog, every single dog. Right. Well, and it's not just training. It's it's even basic socialization right. because I'm experienced with a couple of them. And I've got to say, they are not very sociable. And I think it comes from they were puppies during uh, COVID. Right. And so they right. don't get early socialization. They Needed don't act. people. Yeah. And, and they just act in, in a way. So uh, it's going to be a great show. So all of you uh, get yourself a cup of coffee and listen this week on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show here on 1320 WILS. Welcome back to the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we have with us on the line a first-time guest. Her name is Maureen Wicker, and she is the owner of the Doodle Ranch. And I think you all will be amazed to find out that it has nothing to do with drawing little stick figures and animals and houses with smoke coming out of the chimneys. It has everything to do with a type of dog. So welcome to the show, Maureen. Thank you. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Uh, to begin with, let's talk about this. Uh, you have named your uh, business the Doodle Ranch. How long have you been operating the Doodle Ranch, and what got you started in that venture? Well, we started, we lived just outside of Denver, Colorado, and of course out there um, being from the Lansing area, we started um, and thought, well, we're breeding doodles, labradoodles at first, but if we could call ourselves a doodle ranch, that was kind of like a play on the dude ranch, and we were out west, so that was part of how we started, and then, of course, we were breeding labradoodles and golden doodles, and so it made sense to... Uh, be more general than Labradoodle Ranch. Right. And, but 
Poodle Ranch. And how, so. which was your favorite to, to breed to start with? And what, and what, what brought this ah. on? Uh, oh, we started in 2003. So we're celebrating 20 years. Great. And I think we, our first dog was a Labrador. And so we loved the Retriever. Our second dog was a Poodle. And we loved her intellect, and we did not breed those two girls to each other, but we thought that we thought that melding the adoration and devotion of a retriever with uh, the intellect of a poodle was a brilliant idea. And of course, the shedding factor was and continues to be important, or, you know, lack thereof. And, and what what percent of them still shed? Uh, it depends on, you know, that's, that's a little bit more deep science with how many in the litter and percentage-wise that depends. Um, I, I say never, say never. Yeah. Even though I'm breeding, you know, generation golden doodle to golden doodle, for example, I still never promise until I... The puppies start to. So, 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 so in each litter that you have, you'll get a couple that are going to shed. And how old are they when you know that's going to happen? Um, we don't uh, select puppies or we don't talk about shedding until after they're six weeks old. Okay. And, and hopefully none in the litter shed, but it can happen. So that's why we wait. And, and we would never. She was at two weeks old and say that one's a non-shedder, but even though it might be suspect uh, that there are non-shedders or there might be a shedder. So uh, it, it's pretty obvious when they're at six weeks? Usually at six weeks it is, yes. Okay. Or thereabouts. And, and, and what are you using? At, you know, what, what, what do you pick up on? You've been doing this for a long time. So you you've got more experience than us in the room here. Share with us the the uh, what it is that 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 kind of drives you one direction or another. Well, the texture of the coat of a golden or a lab of a retriever is different than the texture of a poodle. It's not about the curl. And in the general internet public, people think curl is what you're looking for, but. The truth is it's more about the texture of the hair or fur. And do they have a double coat? Obviously, is there a double coat like a retriever with the under fur and the over coarser fur? Or is it a fine, even silky coat like a poodle? And, and, the, and the ones that do shed, so our one of our favorite dogs was named Ditch in our house, our golden retriever, and we had little hairballs that would be in the entire house his entire life. And the ones that you have, the shedding is less than in, a let's say, a purebred golden or a purebred lab, right? I don't promise that because okay. I can't quite believe it. I have, I, I just saw a, what we call an F1 or a half, you know, golden sure. half poodle, a eight-year-old girl yesterday last week and she she has fly away for her whole life i don't know how to quantify because my goal is no shedding except like our shedding right. uh, you know as, ma- as mammals poodles do shed 
technically, but they don't shed like a. Yeah. It's, a, it's like oh. me. My my hair's falling out, but mine doesn't come back. Theirs all comes back. <laughs> so, in your size of your dogs too, have you bred them down to smaller sizes on purpose? I have. I have uh, used uh, miniature poodles to bring down the size of, of doodles. Um, I, I still do breed standard doodles. I have a 60-pound standard golden doodle um, and a similar size labradoodle, but I still breed down their size. And then I, once they're at that, you know, I, I'm looking for a 30 five-pound female that I could breed either to a similar size male or I could breed her to a smaller male to continue down a smaller size. So probably for the layperson, probably I'm I'm assuming that you would always want the female to be similar size or larger than the male? Um, No, and actually that's not necessarily true scientifically, uh, but um, it's it's often how it happens. Okay. And we were and what we've seen in our practice was you you don't want to have the female be the toy poodle and the male be the uh, Labrador. I mean, you can still do that breeding artificially, but it, the, it pushes the puppies a little bit too big, even though the female will mostly control the size of her puppies. Yeah. The female has just that many eggs and the litter. Um, my experience is that the breeder because it's their business will use a larger female and a smaller male because the larger female is apt to have more eggs therefore produce more puppies right and it's easier for her to pass puppies that are smaller than puppies that are bigger no question yes and she'll have more of them than a toy poodle true now now there are some breeds uh i hear uh doc could answer this just as well but there are some breeds that you know, by nature have complications in birthing. But I would imagine either of these two breeds are putting them together. Uh, birthing isn't a major obstacle for them, correct? No. Mm-mm. No. We rarely have complications. Yeah, and I have to tell people if they go to your Doodle Ranch website and look at the cute little puppies that you have on there, um, there's a good reason why people have chosen these breeds. You know they're they're a little easier to keep. They're a little smaller. You get the 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 traits of both of the big breeds of the Labrador, the Golden, and the Poodle, also, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And as um, as we all get older, and we all do, um, <laughs> we've had people in our living room say, "Well, okay, I'm fifty now, but when I'm sixty and I'm ten years older, and this dog is." 60 pounds, do I, am I still going to be able to help that doodle, you know, as they age and as I age? And so the population has wanted more and more smaller doodles. They want the traits of the retriever and poodle, but they want the smaller size. And that's been a big uh, push of our doodles getting smaller. We're talking this morning with Maureen Wicker, who is with the Doodle Ranch. And Maureen, my question for you is, why is the poodle 
always seemingly involved in this pairing up because you said it was for intelligence, but I noticed that there is the border or the board doodle, and that makes sense to me because the border collie, in my opinion, is probably the smartest dog out there. And but I'm always wondering why is it always with the poodle? Uh, because if they're both really smart, that would be a scary combination because I already have a hard time with really smart dogs. You put two of them together and I'm frightened. <laughs> they got to have yeah. a job. Well, I don't understand all of the myriad of crosses with the poodle exactly. Um, in 2002, when I started researching and learning more, about this hybrid, I I thought it made a lot of sense because poodles can be aloof. Um, I also have said and joked that poodles have an image problem <laughs> and that what people really want is a poodle and they just don't know it. Um, <laughs> I, I personally have had two uh, miniature poodles and loved them both. Uh, Stanley was our first one, and then Buffy. No, yes, yes, no, yes, no. <laughs> I, but at any rate, here's the thing: Buffy was as smart as a whip. I mean, she raised up with my daughter, and my daughter would put her in a little push behind, oh. uh, you know, kids thing when she was young, and she'd just lay there and she'd go all over the place. Stanley, on the other hand, was really dumb, <laughs> just really dumb. So, <laughs> do you? Do you do you kind of apply a little bit of uh, um, uh, in, intelligence profiling when you pick your your, your, your poodles? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yes, actually, we do. Um, and and um, there's an emotional quotient also when I'm choosing a breeding dog, a dog to breed or not breed. Um, I have, uh, I have, um, let's say, retired dogs that were not emotionally or intellectually the uh, type I want to reproduce and bring into the world. So, um, yeah, so when you're picking dogs, you're picking body style, you're picking personality, you're not just yeah. throwing two dogs together like, like does happen in like what I would call backyard breeding. You yeah. Know, they have sadly. two dogs and that's their only choice. You have choices. Yes. Sadly, that does happen. It's, um, it seems to be mushrooming. Um, I just heard about a St. Bernoodle where somebody's breeding a St. Bernard to a poodle and I don't understand breeding a Chelsea to a poodle or, oh. you know, I, I don't understand those, but in, 2002, I completely understood crossing poodles with retrievers. Right. Made sense. Well, and it's it's also an issue that I don't think people always understand, and we've learned about it over the years, even talking to breeders of other animals. You cannot predict colors of fur just by the colors of fur of the parents because sometimes all of a sudden you get completely opposite. I've, I've heard of breeding two black animals and they come out with a white puppy. And uh, so it's, it's hard for people to understand that you're not able to always predict the outcome uh, maybe the way that they want you to be. 
Yeah, and, and as There's, a part of that too, sorry, the new genetic testing, especially in Labrador retrievers, they do coat color genetics. So you yeah. know your yellow lab can throw chocolates, blacks, or um, uh, yellows. Uh, and, and it doesn't make medical sense at all, but it's there. Mm-hmm. It, exactly. And that's been a passion of mine for more than 20 years. Um, we had a black lab 30 years ago who was black, and I was told her parents were yellow and brown. And I thought, oh, what color puppies could we get if we bred her to? And that was way before vet gen or any DNA testing. Right. So, yeah, that's, that, that is fun. And sadly, a lot of, there are backyard breeders that get a litter of black puppies when they don't realize they're breeding a yellow to a brown and they're not it they does cause some problems no yeah. no question about it we're speaking this morning with maureen wicker from the doodle ranch and maureen we need to take a quick break when we come back though i'd like to talk with you more about uh some of the uh breeds that you are creating and uh get not just the upside but maybe some of the things you need to look out for and we'll do that right here on 1320 wils you it's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Cruz and Lee Cohen. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been talking this morning with Maureen Wicker, who is the owner of the Doodle Ranch. And Maureen, the Doodle Ranch is located, it's East Lansing, is that right? Uh we're right around the corner from campus. Our mailing address is Okemos. Okay. Uh, and Maureen, when it comes to uh, doing what you do and putting these dogs together, I kind of wanted to find out from you, how do you go through and determine which are the dogs that will pair up best versus others? Because, I mean, you mentioned some crazy ones at the, before the end of the last break, and I'm just trying to think of, okay, what are the craziest combinations? What are the biggest opposites we can put together? And it just feels like sometimes there's some Frankenstein activities going on out there <laughs> as opposed to yeah. some thoughtful breeding. Can you talk about that? It never made sense to me, but a cocker spaniel and a might sell for one price and a poodle for another price. But if you breed them together, you get a better price, uh, you know, a higher uh, ticket. And um, it never made sense to me. Yeah, but um, I I can tell you I can tell you from having cockapoos or cocket uh, yeah. Not cockatiels. No, <laughs> cocker spaniels. Yeah. You know, you can get some that are particularly dumb. You know, yeah. and and I yeah. could I could easily oh. see somebody say, you know, with the ingenious idea of, boy, if this thing was just a little smart, he's so darn cute. But if he was just yeah. a little smarter, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's great. But I'm just there's there's um, uh, an imaginary or expected or hoped for price sometimes that. It will be a draw to crossing, and I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, I, and and I spend a certain amount of time talking to my puppy families about grooming because Labrador or Golden Retriever families may or may not understand the need or or the dog's health uh, need for grooming, and so um, that becomes. Uh, it can become a problem or the 
puppy family ends up with a dog that's shaved and they're dashed and yeah, and a lot of people we've had years ago, uh, a lot of Old English sheepdogs we saw in the practice, and people didn't realize that you need to groom these dogs on a regular <laughs> basis or they mat up royally. I, I, I was a, a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 14-year-old with a pet uh, Old English sheepdog, and I will vouch that uh, to this day. I, I, I tried to be a responsible teenager. <laughs> it's a lot of work, and the kids go, oh, don't worry, Mom, I'll, I'll comb the dog. And yeah. you, it's Every day or they mat up like mad. Yeah. One of my clients wrote a book called The Legend of the Mat Coda, and it was they had sheepdogs. But there's another breed that... They um, certain breeds have missions in life, like 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 to to herd, and and that mission doesn't necessarily mean they're good for a family pet, and yeah. it doesn't mean that they're smart. They're smart in their, their little, like almost autistic way, I guess is how you put yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where I was thinking of Lee's combination of yeah. poodle and a and an Aussie. <laughs> yeah. I could Whoa. see the rationale for doing that yeah. because a poodle would have a calmer disposition, or no. at least a more Not targeted always, yeah. intelligence. Yeah. That that would be a little less uh, uh, rambunctious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the other thing we were going to talk about too was your dogs. You don't have like a, a a kennel with runs and stuff like that. You have a lot of these dogs in guardian homes, right? Yeah, we want uh, we have since two thousand three wanted all of our dogs to be family raised. We only would breed the puppies or keep the girls that we could keep initially, you know, 20 years ago. And then we started, um, as the industry started learning about the value of guardians, we would place a, a dog, usually a girl, but we would, or a boy, it could be either, but we would place one of our doodles in a home with a family. They're under contract. This is my dog, but my dog, my breeding dogs have a family life. And they have an identity, and they live in a family just like ours do. And so no, no, none of our dogs are kept in kennels or runs. And neither are our puppies when we raise them. They're in our home. That sounds like a pretty substantial network. Uh, does, does that take a lot of time and energy and coordination to pull that off, or has it been kind of uh, actually a blessing? Well, if you had 10 dogs, they would take X. Ex- amount of work if they were in uh, an outbuilding in, on your on my property uh-huh. it's a different it's a different kind of work working with guardian families uh-huh. but uh, but I the benefit is the temperament and the dog when when my dogs again they come to my home so if I have a boy coming to my home to breed to my girl I want him to be used to living in a home and comfortable living in our home, and um, of course, he. I knew him first. I I placed the pups or dogs in a guardian home. They don't. Uh, so, uh, I I know I want to know them, and I want them to know me and be comfortable with me. So, it's a different kind of work. Sometimes circumstances might take a dog out of a guardian home, or a, do- a guardian might remove themselves from my program, but. It is very rewarding because all of our dogs and our puppies are raised and live in families. I'm, and I, we that's think, great. What? Well, well, what? Yeah, th- we, go ahead. We want to provide new family members for our puppy families. So uh, my my thought when that happens is there's an interesting dynamics that I didn't even think about when we brought about this uh, conversation at the break. 
um, is that you're developing a, a relationship with not just dogs but humans and creating a network of individuals. I would imagine, do you have events or anything that, you know, how do you bring everybody together uh, and, and, and how do you create a, a sense of community? I guess I am the center and uh, my guardians are welcome to get to know each other. I'm not organized enough to have events for them. Uh-huh. Um, I, have, I have one in cold water and I have, uh, I have another in Owasso. So they, are, they have very separate lives, but they all understand and identify as part of my Doodle Ranch yeah. team and our, our breeding program. How many is on your is team? Um, there have been as many as 10. I, as I slide towards retirement, I have less than that now. Um, uh, two boys and I think four females, um, one small male and one standard male, you know, so. And, and when you're setting these up, the ones that you keep for breeding, um, do you health check these? Because all of these breeds have like certain issues with hip dysplasia or some of the poodles have skin disease called um, sebaceous adenitis. And how do you screen that out of your breeding pool? Thank you. I, uh, we start with uh, hip and elbow x-rays at, uh, well, this used to be with you, yeah. but <laughs> um, we start with hip and elbow x-rays, and we also do a, a panel. It's called a panel, the ver- various DNA labs, um, screen for the diseases that the two breeds have in common. Um, for example, a golden and a poodle share um, uh, retinal atrophy, which can cause loss of vision or blindness. Goldens have two strains of it. Poodles have one, but we have to we have to test for all three strains. And and the thing is, if I'm out there and I want to get one of these designer dogs, do, do I just ask this breeder? Are you testing for these? And do a lot of people know that they should be doing that? I mean, you should be doing that because you, if you have one of these problems, you could have a blind dog. You could have a dog with a skin problem that lasts its entire life. And, and I think these are relative questions that you should be asking if you're a potential buyer. Exactly, exactly. And um, we not only that, but we need to screen uh, when we're choosing if I'm going to breed with a male outside of my program. I need to see what he has or what he carries or what he's free of so that I'm not accidentally crossing uh, two dogs that together could produce puppies that lose their that go blind at five to eight years old. That's for excellent. example. Well, and, and so we we offer proof to all. Right. Well, and that seems to be the issue is that if you introduce something into the genetics that can be carried forward for future generations, that's what you're seeking to avoid. So it seems like it's a responsible move by you as the breeder. And frankly, it's something that uh, I'm sure your buyers would be very grateful as well, because uh, just like when people go into Proust Pets and buy a pet from Rick, they want healthy pets. And that's the thing that they're 
we're asking you to provide. Uh, well, I hate to say that we can't talk any more about it because we're out of time, Maureen, but we would love to have you back on in the future uh, to share more information, if that's okay. Oh, my goodness. I would love that. Well, yes. hopefully, hopefully we will do that soon. We've been speaking this morning with Maureen Wicker from the Doodle Ranch in East Lansing, and thank oh, you so goodness. much for your time. Thank you. Have a great day. And, guys, after the break, we'll be back and we'll continue this conversation about uh, these various, I'll call them doodles for the sake of it, but you never know what we can get into right here on 1320 WILS. It's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Pruce, a man possessing unparalleled animal care expertise, and Lee Cohen, who's also here. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, for this segment, we're going to take advantage of having Dr. Schultz here at the table with us to talk with him a little bit more about some of these crosses. Because if there is anyone who knows what dogs have been together and birthed certain dogs, it's Dr. Schultz in this town because he's pretty much had a hand in a lot of the deliveries of them. And so, Doc... This happened probably 25, 30 years ago that you really started hearing about this as being a conscious effort to bring together these breeds in order to create something smaller, something better, something smarter, whatever it is. My question for you is, don't you also introduce some downside to that whole thing? Because sometimes you bring together a really good breed, and then like Rick was describing in the earlier segment, sometimes they're smart and sometimes not so much. Well, (laughs) well, what's interesting is that most of the dog breeds that are here now are hundreds if not thousands of years of breeding to bring this breed on. And then in one generation, you dissolved all that and made something different. But it's a niche. And so people wanted something different. And so they looked at this and then a little craze hit. And then it got, I would say some of it gets a little out of control. In the practice, in my practice, we were mostly dealing with a lot of purebred dogs. But in the last few years, there are more doodle dogs around. And some of them do well. But as we were talking with Maureen earlier, there are issues that you can get when you breed certain breeds together. Like if you're breeding a dog, a breathing problem dog, we call those brachycephalic breeds, um, you breed them with a longer nose breed. Well, the, the way they got the brachycephalic breeds is you took the long nose breed and bred it down, mm-hmm. and now you're backing it back off. If you look at the uh, bulldog pictures from the turn of the uh, 100 years ago, they had long noses. But in the dog shows, they wanted the stubbier, squishier nose, and along with that came difficulty breathing. And so some of these breedings I think they're doing are good. They do really well, and some of them can bring faults in. We had a client that was doing fly ball, and for people who don't know, it's the coolest thing to watch on TV or pull up on YouTube today, type in fly ball. And they start at one end of a race course, and they have to go over these hurdles, go down to the end, hit a bash onto a board, grab a ball, and run the ball back. And they do these in teams or in singles. And so uh, one of my clients was breeding dogs to make a dog for fly ball, so a shorter, faster dog. So they bred in dogs with uh, like a, a Jack Russell that's very, very quick, and they add in a uh, like a, 
a, a French bulldog, short, huge, muscly legs, but not fast. So you're you're making a, a designer dog for a purpose. A lot of the designer dogs are designer dogs for I want a small, fluffy dog that's got a good personality. Um, that doesn't shed, that doesn't cause allergies. So there's a lot of reasons people are doing these with dogs. Some of them, I would say, are pretty righteous, and some of them are maybe just out for the buck. You know, yeah. and you get both. You know, I I don't. I wanted to bring up just a an encounter I had at the store because, well, it's a showroom of dogs oftentimes because people bring them in. Awesome. And, and uh, we think of a husky, and you think of its fur pattern, its length of fur, yeah. and the blue eyes. Yep. Right, and then uh, imagine one that walks in the door. It's exactly like one. I mean, everything to the T was identical, but it wasn't much higher than my shins. Yeah. And it was an amazing small little breed. And it sounds and and they I had asked a few questions. I think they had used a Pomeranian oh. and Husky combination. Well, there is a Klekai that a is Klee-Kai. a pure. Uh, yeah, Klekais are little tiny little husky dogs. Yeah, well, this was actually a but cross. But this was a cross. This yeah. was literally a cross. And it, it, when you brought up the idea of this show, kind of a yeah. designer yeah. designer show uh, for dogs, it, it, it made me think about that particular episode. Yeah. And they had paid, you know, a couple thousand dollars yeah. for this particular dog. Well, well, one thing we noticed in the clinic, too, a couple of breeds, like uh, wolf, nah, yeah, maybe wolfhounds. Um, but uh, St. Bernard, can you imagine having a 40-pound St. Bernard? And it would a lot of people. They're big, happy, nice dog, um, and they don't always bring you booze like you think. But they, but they do. They, uh, but they're a nice dog. And we always thought in the click, what if I could give this dog a shot right this minute and hold it exactly where it was? Well, the people wanted a hundred and eighty pound dog, um, but but yeah. some people would take it if it was smaller. So some of these are filling that niche. I, I walked in the store. This was probably I don't know eight ten years ago. Was a dog that I looked at, and it was not. It was shorter than my knees for sure, and it definitely had a Saint Bernard head, but then it had an unusually small body, yeah. and it was the goofiest looking dog I've ever seen. And I had to ask them, "What, what what's up with this <laughs> yeah. thing?" And it, and it almost in that situation, it almost seemed sad, in in that its body seemed. Uh, you know, this body head that was just massive didn't, didn't quite fit. along this really small body. And it I was like, oh, kind of reminds me the first time I ever saw a mini horse. And I'm oh, like, yeah, wait, yeah. and I'm like, wait a minute, this yeah. is a horse, but it's the size of a dog. Yeah. Yeah. I and, didn't and, understand. Yeah. And what people have to understand too is you breed down in size, you're putting dwarfism. So all the dogs that are under 30 pound size all have dwarfism genes. And there's two major kinds. One is a primordial dwarf that is a chihuahua. So you have straight legs, normal head, maybe a little dome skull in a lot of chihuahuas. but Normal balance. But normal. A yeah. balanced look. And then you have the dogs like the, um, what am I thinking about? Uh, I'm, the, I'm thinking the long one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dachshunds, corgis, corgis. Uh, basset hounds. Basset and hounds. if you look at their their feet, they're all crooked legs. And they're crooked uh-huh, legs because uh-huh. they are called achondroplastic dwarves. So their spine grows full length, but their legs don't. And so a, a human dwarfism is, is both of those also. So you'll see some short people that have really crooked limbs. And trust me, that's not comfortable. No. And so in some of these dogs, when you breed down, they have to be aware that I'm causing this issue with this dog. Even uh-huh. though the dog's born with it, the dog really doesn't care, but it's not a straight bone. It's a crooked bone. Mm-hmm. And that, so that makes a difference. And, and I imagine from a— veterinarian perspective, uh, maybe more veterinarian bills 
associated with that as well, the dog goes on? That's what we look at. There are some of these dogs that give us our, uh, our goal to put our kids through college or <laughs> to pay our car payments. And some of these breeds are known for that. Some of them have bad skin, bad ears. Yeah. And certain breeds, we know that as soon as you buy that breed, you are going to spend money on that dog forever. Well, and that leads me to one of the concerns that I might have if I were looking at some of these designer breeds, because I'm not even talking about the physical characteristics as much as I am the mental characteristics, because these dogs are bred to do certain things. And bottom line is, who's to say that you can predict what kind of behaviors you're going to get out of certain dogs when you start getting into these mixes? And even within certain breeds, like we were talking about the poodles being smarter, I've had poodles in the clinic that are the most wonderful, brilliant human dog in a poodle body, and other ones that come in that are just crazy. And it's just like humans. I mean, there are kids with ADHD and there are dogs that act the same way. And they're born from the same parents. Yeah. Yeah. And so the deal, like like Maureen was talking about, she is breeding personalities with her dogs. If she doesn't like that dog's personality, it's not going to be bred. And that's what you have to look for when you're going for this. And also, you know, if you're getting one of these breeds that was bred to a herding breed, this is a dog that needs a job. And, and this is a dog that wants to be doing something. And if you have kids in the yard, it freaks out if one runs away from the group of kids. It, it doesn't want that to happen. And you can misunderstand that for aggression. And so you have to be aware, even though it's a mixed breed, you're still buying something that was bred to do this for literally a thousand years. Yeah. And now you're doing, you're turning it on the dime and right. assuming on that dime, we're going to create something new and different. And, exactly. and, and maybe and in another might. 100 or 200 years, yeah. you can create a very predictable, you know, right. so cockapoo would. or yeah. whatever the breed is. But we're talking in hundreds of years increments, right? Right. right. Yeah. yeah. You have to, to set go, the strength. Right. Yeah. If you went back and looked at the AKC book from like the early 1900s and saw the pictures of these dogs, you it's would all of a sudden strange. realize, wow, I can't believe how this has changed. The same thing is going to be true 100 years from now. That book will still be published, even though I don't know people read books. Right. But bottom line is it's going to have pictures of these breeds who that are new to us today, right. and they're going to be commonplace because they've always been there. So, And, and at AKC also, the breed has to breed true for X number of years in order to be registered as an AKC dog. Exactly right. And that's how we separate them from other mixed breed dogs. Guys, it was a great conversation, and I think it's one we really need to come back to because I don't see this as a trend that's going away or all. shrinking in any way, shape, or form. So Maybe the dogs are. Yeah. Yes, that's <laughs> exactly. right. Exactly. Very well put. So, but on behalf of our producer, Bruce Warner, and my co-hosts in the studio, uh, Dr. Will Schultz and Rick Proust, this is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend and a great weekend. We'll talk next weekend on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Meantime, please, please take good care of your pets. And have a great week. Rhythmic dog. Harmonic dog. House dog. Street dog.